What if art was used for good? As a means to create a smarter and more holistic society. One that could address the most pressing challenges our world faces today, from climate change and world hunger to poverty. Today, we get to speak to Fawzi Khalifi, also known as El Seed, an artist best known for fusing Arabic calligraphy with graffiti to paint colorful, swirling messages of hope and peace on buildings in Tunisia, Nepal, and quite a few countries around the world. One of his most renowned pieces is Perception, a large mural painted across almost 50 buildings in the Cairo neighborhood of Manshiyat Nasr which is home to the majority of the city's garbage collectors. I'm Tariq Lalemi, and this is People and Planet, a podcast from Expo 2020 Dubai's program for People and Planet, where changemakers from all over the world break down what it'll take to create a sustainable future for our planet. An important and vital topic to inspire other people to take During Tolerance and Inclusivity Week at Expo 2020 Dubai, Elsie joined a group of panelists to discuss the power an art piece has on a community and its ability to shape society as a whole. Artists in general have a social responsibility. Our goal is to bring people together. And this is what I'm trying to do through my work. I'm trying to create bridges between people, culture and uh, and generation. I work with script, I work with uh, literature. So there is a message behind every work that I create. So you're an artist um, whose work has touched souls even before it touches a person's eyes. You're an ambassador for peace. You're a human being who leverages the power of art to uplift universal human connection. You are someone who walks through the world, seeing the world itself as your canvas. And in this case, your brush is the poetry of the Arabic language. And you are, of course, the man, Asid. Uh, welcome, and uh, please introduce yourself uh, for our audience and what your mission in life is. Uh, my name is El Cid. Uh, my artist name is El Cid, so this is how I call myself in the art field. Um, I'm an artist who uh, use calligraphy, Arabic calligraphy is my main medium. And um, I use it as a tool, you know, to, uh, I would say, to, to create bridges between people, culture and generation. And you were born in Paris in 1981. And I wonder, what was the artistic background of your upbringing? Like, what was the kind of art that was surrounding you and your community growing up? And how did you first get into the art scene? I grew up, you know, in a, in a, like a, in a modest uh, social class. My dad used to uh, work in a, in a car factory, Renault, in Paris. Uh, my mom, she was a nanny. I wouldn't say art was, we didn't used to go to museum you know, or go to exhibition. There was nobody around me that was an artist, so it was just, uh, I just used to love to draw, you know, I used to, I've been painting, I have memory of me painting and drawing since I'm a kid, and uh, the first drawing that I remember was an elephant, you know. I was painting an elephant, you know, with, uh, I think it was second grade with one of my teachers. She showed us how to uh, 
how to draw an elephant, you know, with shapes, you know, like first making big circle for the body and then the head. And, and then actually that was the first time, you know, that I was like, wow, actually like I can draw, you know, I think it was an evolution. Like drawing was always something that I loved, you know, but, uh, I never thought I would pursue like a career as an artist, you know, it was, uh, it was not in my, uh, in my goal. What was that moment you felt that things were starting to change for you? Like when you felt, okay, the stars are now aligning in this direction. You know, on uh, November 9th, 2007, I used to work in New York, you know, uh, for a French company. I used to be a supply chain uh, manager there. And then they called me and they say, uh, it's time for you to move on. You know, it didn't say like you did the mistake. It said like, it's time for you to move on. So actually it was just telling me like you're fired. But in a nice way, that guy was like sent, I think, by God, you know, to um, to tell me like, yeah, man, you're in the wrong place. You know what you're doing? This is not your field. You know, you should be like more useful somewhere else. And so when he told me this, uh, I stayed in New York, I think, for two more months. And uh, and then I moved to Montreal just, uh, I think, two weeks. And uh, on my way to Montreal, I met uh, I met this guy who was an artist, a French artist, you know, who used to... Uh, he used to write his uh, his name, graffiti name, H-E-S-T, uh, with the Arabic letter, you know, like the, he used to put two dots on top of the E and stuff. And uh, and seeing this guy like playing with letters, like in such a beautiful way, I was like, he inspired me. And then uh, I went and I painted my first wall, you know, with uh, in Arabic. And, uh, and that was weird because it was so uh, natural. I felt that was something, I felt this is, that was something that was inside me for, such a long time and uh, it never came out you know and uh, and then since then you know like, I don't know I felt I I unlocked something that was in me that I didn't know you know and uh, and I'm sure a lot of us have that I believe in this I believe we all have this kind of unlock boxes and we need to find a way I'm very curious like as you're talking because you're you're not just doing doing art you really speak often about art as a universal language, the importance of using art to convey universal messages. And the elephant, uh, which was your first drawing, and elephants are, of course, uh, beautiful community builders. Elephants grieve together, they have joy together. When there's a marginalized member of their community, they go and make sure that they're protected. Um, they really live in a sense of universalism. And I wonder, like, as you're talking through that journey, where did that sense of your values of unity and universalism come from? Like, how did that get infused into your art? I think it's from the education. I believe this is the way my parents educated me. You know, like I remember my dad only used to get mad at me and my brothers and sister if we, uh, if we used to fight together. You know what I mean? I think they uh, put something in, I think, in me that make family first. You know what I mean? Like uh, making sure that you... You create link, you know, you, you hold those things with the family. So we, uh, we have a, a strong family bond between my, I think, between my family from my brother and sister to my, to my cousins, you know, and, uh, and the extended family. We come from a, like a modest social background. My dad used to be a farmer in, um, in Tunisia. So my, uh, most of my family are farmer, you know, and, uh, and I, I never forget from where I'm from. You know what I mean? It's important to have those roots, you know, like to make sure that you, are, you, uh, you keep rooted from where you're from. There's a lot of trust in life that you've had, like in the moments where 
either you you quit and you went to into a new direction um where where does that trust come from i don't know i don't think there's a special point you know but i think this triggers you know in all the projects that i've done you know um i always say that i, I want to inspire and be inspired you know this is my motto so in, when i say i want to inspire it's like uh, i try all the time to get out of my comfort zone you know uh and i look at the comfort zone as a as a big circle you know that uh that keep growing and growing as as long as you stay in it and uh and it's so difficult to get out of your comfort zone because the circle just get bigger and bigger you know so the distance that you have to walk from where you are to the edge of the circle is longer you know because the more you stay in it the more it get bigger and uh and to inspire i think it's uh, it's important to get out of your comfort zone to break this circle it's not only about the artwork it's also about the human experience and the and i collect those moments for me this is something so important to me to make sure that it's not just only living uh, just on only creating and challenging myself artistically but also finding a way to create uh, human stories for those that are maybe not aware could you tell us the story about how the name actually came about and maybe some of the artists that in, that inspired that as well you know there is a play in french play called le cid from the writer Corneille and um and we were studying that in French class in Paris in 1997 or 98 I think it was 97 and so uh, my teacher was telling us uh, Madame Lacroix I hope she's still alive and I hope one day she can hear this and Madame Lacroix she uh, she said look uh, the the word El Cid is coming from the Arabic word Al Sayed which means the man the master and I was 16 you know at this time so I was like uh, Look, I'm the man. And the world has uh, linked you back many times to to the word uh, calligraphy. Uh and I wonder how did that word come about for you? Like is that something that you coined? I used to define myself with this word, but I'm an artist, you know, I see myself as a contemporary artist, you know, because I'm I'm still alive thank God today. Uh and I'm a multidisciplinary artist, you know, I I paint, I do canvas, I do art installation, I do wood sculpture, I do metal sculpture, I work with glass, I do films. So there is a it's not only one thing. I took this decision recently to not uh, define myself by my origins. I'm not French, I'm not Tunisian. I'm French and Tunisian by you know by birth and by roots, you know, but uh I don't want to limit myself, you know what I mean? You know, I think uh, I'm international, I'm human, I'm universal. people used to always define me as a french tunisian artist you know and french tunisian why you don't say tunisian french you know that's something we never read as well you know so it says a lot about the historical you know uh, uh, i would say imperialism of france you know i am questioning a lot of stuff to do about uh, about the way people perceive me about the way i perceive myself about uh, my identity as a man and uh, and uh, and an artist if you don't define yourself people will define it so like now with my team we're working a lot on this way of communicating uh, the real me you know when people ask me you know what is the uh, you know what you love the most you know what i love the most about what i do is uh, it's not the uh, i mean the artistic challenge i love it you know i always love to go like beyond my comfort zone but what i love the most is the human experience and see how you know art can bring people together and uh, And I didn't find any other tool actually that can connect people in such an easy way. People are 
proud to see somebody coming maybe from a different place and say, okay, you know, I'm going to spend some time here and try to beautify and like add some beauty into the neighborhood. But also you create a, a sense of ownership, you know, which is for me the most important thing, you know, because um, I, I love to involve people from the community, which means like I always try to make some research on the place and try to make sure that I'm not colonizing physically the space, you know, because... I work with Arabic calligraphy in Bahrain, it's easy because it's a Arab place, but you know, going to the border of North and South Korea or just recently in Nepal, uh, because I work with message, I try to find the message that are relevant to the place itself. One of your most prominent projects, of course, was perception. I wonder, you know, in reflecting back, what are, what are those kinds of projects still teaching you? You come with an art piece in a, in a place where people are not familiar with art. And uh, people, they don't see it, you know what I mean? Because at the end, they realize that actually the art piece is, uh, is the vector that connects you to the people that you meet, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I look at it as, a, I look at art as, as a way to, to bring back our humanity, you know, because what would make you welcome somebody that you don't know like, I'm not saying for one night, but I'm talking for a month, for weeks, you know, in your place, in your house, in your neighborhood, you know, and inviting him like for tea, for lunch, for dinner, for birthday party, for weddings, you know, even when the project is finished. You know, and this is, this is what I, what I learned from all those places and all those projects and is, uh, is that art bring our humanity back, you know, it connects us. You know, when what I did recently in Nepal was destroyed the day we finished. You know, we did a art installation on a mountain in a village that was rebuilt by women after the earthquake of 2015. You know, so those women, they have been uh, creating workshops where they produce their own earthquake-resistant bricks. So you work for weeks, weeks and weeks, you know, with them. You know, it was, um, it was painting and uh, fabrics and bamboo. It was a crazy thing. And uh, we thank God we take pictures of the artwork. We filmed, we filmed, take everything, and on the night, there's a crazy storm that uh, destroyed everything. It destroyed the uh, bridge, you know, in front of the guest house we were staying. When we arrive at the village, we see all the bamboo and all the installation on the floor, you know. And then, you're like, okay, what's the point of all of this? You know, like, we work for a, a month, but the artwork is down. But the relationship we created with the people of the community are still up. Just this morning, one of the women, she texted me. She's like, you know, I sent her like some picture of Tunisia. She's like, oh, it's so beautiful. I said, okay, one day we take you there, you know, you and your family. So this is, this is the thing. In Cairo, it's the same. In Cairo, like if you go now, it's been almost six years. Uh, the artwork has uh, faded, but the relation is still the same. You know, like uh, me, I was invited to a wedding like uh, three years ago. I was there like two years ago. I mean, with COVID, we didn't go back since 2019. But I always, uh, somebody from there called me, you know, I have a, I have a phone number in my, uh, on my phone called Eid Cousin. Eid is one of the guys that I met uh, in, in the Cairo, the Cairo Garbage Collector neighborhood. And all the time, at least once every two weeks, somebody called me. It's always somebody's different. It's never the same person that called me. Somebody from the neighborhood with this number, Eid Cousin, is like, hey, Mr. Fauzi, how are you? You know, and then I speak with five people, you know, it's like, oh, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, Musa, I want to speak, speak with you. And then I speak with him and say, oh, okay, somebody else wants to speak with you. Elena, she wants to speak with you. And then I speak with everybody. 
And then they hang up. And that's why I say it's, it's beyond the art piece. You know, the art piece is here like to create this connection and, uh, and it did. This is, I think, what made me, uh, make me want to do what I do. You know, like when I will be an old man, 90 years old, inshallah, if I live this long time, having all my grandchildren and my kids and telling them those stories and they say, oh, grandfather, tell us one of your story, you know, and, and I think this is, a, this is the beauty of it, you know, being able to, uh, to reconnect and connect with people that you uh, would have, wouldn't have met if it was not because of art. You know, as you're, as you're talking, I feel you are very grounded in a, a spiritual purpose and a sense of what you're doing. Is it grounded in a sense of spirituality? Um, is it something that, you know, as you're talking, it's, you're not talking as an artist, you're talking as, uh, as a sheikh, as a monk, as a priest, uh, as a, a far deeper calling uh, than, than that? I don't know. I think spirituality is important. You know, like, uh, I think in the world we're living today, like we, uh, we feed the body, you know, we feed the, I think we mainly feed the body, you know, and I think we, we forget to feed the, the mind and the spirit. You know what I mean? We, we tend to forget that, uh, uh, you need to create this balance. You know what I mean? You can be the richer man on earth and have everything that you need, you know, and, uh, your soul needs something, you know, and I think my soul, I think it's, uh, I need it. Nobody can live by himself. This is a, this is a lie. And I think human connection feeds the spirit. You know, it's, uh, that's how I look at it. I don't know if it's a, a monk, a sheikh, a, a rabbi or an imam, you know, way of thinking, but, uh, me as an artist, as a human being, mostly I, I need this spirituality in my life, you know, knowing that, uh, it's not about only what I see and what I touch, you know, but, uh, more like what I feel, you know, it's uh, a lot about feelings, I would say. And what are you doing when you feel most inspired? Like, where do you connect to that sense of deeper inspiration for the messages you create for, for each art piece? I think inspiration comes from observation of your surroundings, you know. You can then be, you can be like in the urban jungle of New York and uh, focus on what's happening around you. You can be sitting on a table in a restaurant and, and looking at the guy who's eating, the way the guy's eating his steak on the next next table and say like, you know, it will, it will trigger some ideas, you know, and sometimes it's just that, like it's just trigger, you know. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's uh, constraint that make you, uh, that make you inspired, you know, like you can only do this, you know, or you can only do it this way. And then it will feed something in you that make you think differently, you know. So that's how I look at inspiration. Sometimes uh, uh, my daughter, when she was two, you know, I was looking at her playing and I was like, oh, that would be so cool, you know. Uh, once I got a project we never did as well that was inspired by a fight, a guy who almost insulted me at a family dinner, you know. I won't say his name, but uh, he, he criticized my project in Egypt and, uh, and to me this is so stupid, you know, and... And then I was like, okay. And then he said something else that I was like, smart, thank you. You know, so it's, uh, it's always this, you know, like it's, uh, you have to, to observe how people act. You have to be aware of what's happening around you. And also sometimes it's difficult that I think this is the most difficult uh, part of, uh, of thinking. It's when you manage to look at something from the point of view of somebody else. 
And one place where there is a lot of inspiration at the moment in Dubai is Needed Expo 2020. And, you know, the theme itself of Expo 2020 is connecting minds. Uh, it is connecting to that mind and it's also creating the future. And I wonder, how do you personally connect to that theme? I wanted to shed light on this uh, community of women in Nepal who, after the earthquake of 2015, they have rebuilt their own houses. You know, they trained themselves into construction work, into architecture. They also created uh, some kind of workshop where they built their own anti-seismic bricks. And for me, it was important giving uh, an art piece and a message that, uh, that is empowering women and, uh, and also shedding light on a, on a community of strong and resilient women. The uh, mission of the pavilion is to really uh, shed light on, on women and uh, empower them. And I'm really, really proud and happy to be part of it. That's beautiful to see this, you know, I mean, happening in the in the Arab country, in Dubai. Um, you you see everybody coming from different parts of the world, uh, gathering at the same place, uh, showing what they're the most proud of. The, Dubai is a hub today. It's a kind of place where people connect. And I think Expo was uh, the, I would say, the archetype of uh, of this connection, you know. And uh, and for me, you know, working with a woman pavilion, I think, was, uh, of course, I was so honored to do this, you know, as a man working, you know, uh, for like gender equality and uh, woman empowerment is uh, has been a fight, uh, I think, for years now. But uh, it was more for me like being able to work for a cause, not for a nationality. I'm not working for the French pavilion or the Tunisian pavilion. So I'm glad I'm not in neither like neither this or this. And um, and yeah, so actually I, I, I linked my project in Nepal to the pavilion. So the pavilion was for me, was a, a platform where I could uh, I could show and talk about the struggle of this woman in Nepal and, um, and find a way, you know, to uh, continue not the project, but continue this kind of philanthropic mission that we, uh, we settled in my studio, which is, uh, uh, helping, you know, like creating this program of, uh, for educating girls in the village, you know, because in Nepal, many in this kind of rural place, uh, I don't say marginalized, but out of Kathmandu, uh, girls, they stop going to school at the age of 16 or 17 because the school fee become too high and then the family cannot afford it. So I think, you know, if with my art I can contribute to this, it would be amazing. And so uh, that's what the artwork in, uh, on the facade of the pavilion is about. It's about this uh, being a platform to continue the work that we've did, done there and, uh, and a, way, uh, a way to amplify the voice of this woman. And your work is, is about human connection. And for so many of us, we've just gone through an age of human disconnection, at least physically, to the pandemic. I wonder how has the pandemic impacted, you know, your work, your art? I know you've also been working with different materials such as glass over the last year. Um, and I wonder, you know, how how is the, the COVID experience, lockdown, that disconnection where, you know, your real work is about connection has really uh, impacted you and, and where? I enjoy myself when I enjoy working when I'm outside, you know, when I'm in the public space and the and being locked means that you know you don't create this interaction. We managed. We did a project actually with, a, you know, with my team. We managed to create this uh, Zoom project, you know, where I, I created an art piece with 48 people. I uh, I painted an art piece that I cut in 49 piece that I then sent to people, and then they uh, 
they just had to upload it as their background. And um, I invited uh, Aloe Black, you know, the singer, and his wife, Manai Maya Jupiter, and they both performed like for one hour, you know, uh, during, uh, I mean, during the creation of this artwork where like three girls from uh, Netherlands, uh, Yara, Rosa, and, uh, and Nora were like super famous dancer. And they, uh, they did the performance while people were waiting for me, so stressed out to create this artwork. And then uh, it was a beautiful experience because people were able to connect you know, uh, uh, during like one hour, uh, during a concert, and that was amazing. That was uh, that was super cool. And then we we created a lithograph out of this artwork that we sold. You know, f one part of the money was sent to a, a Tunisian uh, hospital, and one was sent to a French hospital. So, I think, like I said, you know, uh, inspiration comes from the condition where you are, you know, and the restriction that you have. You know, that's what I said earlier today. Uh, if you're locked up, you know, you lock down, like you, you cannot go out. So how do you create art? How do you create a experience, human experience? You do them virtual, but this is still a human experience. Um, thank you for reminding us of what's real. Thank you for reminding us of what's cool. Thank you for reminding us of what's true. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to talk to you guys. Thank you, Tarek. People and Planet is an official podcast of Expo 2020 Dubai, creating a sustainable future for our planet together. Learn more by visiting virtualexpodubai.com or searching Program for People and Planet. People and Planet is produced by Kerning Cultures Network. Episodes are released every second Monday and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you enjoyed the show, share it with your friends and leave us a review.